Welcome to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. Be sure to stay tuned to the end of the show so you can hear how to get a copy of this program and other helpful documents. And now it's time for Carrie McCoy to get all up in your business. Thank you, Tim. And like Tim said, I'm Carrie McCoy, and it's time for me to get up in your business. Before we start, I want to introduce the people at the table. We have Tim Bowen, our technician, who will be taking your calls and pushing the buttons. Say hello, Tim. Hello, Tim. And recording our show to make a podcast available next week is our technician, Jesse. Thank you, Jesse. No problem. This show, Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy, began with Entrepreneurs in Mind, a platform for me, an entrepreneur, and a guest to pay forward our experiential knowledge in a conversational way. As with all new endeavors, it has had some unexpected outcomes. The one I enjoy most is hearing my guest's biography, how they worked hard, took risks, found their voice in pursuit of their destiny. Another is that business is creative, much more so than people might first think. And last, behind each of my successful guests has been the heart of a teacher. My guest today is Mr. Trey Reed from the Arkansas Game and Fish Commission and host of the TV show Arkansas Wildlife, where he teaches us fun things like how to hunt, fish, conserve, conserve, and cultivate responsibly. Whether you like to sit on a park bench or backpack through the Ozarks or a new word I learned today from Trey, hook and bullet, (laughs) I did just learn that from him, you lucky listeners will not want to miss learning about the natural state's many outdoor treasures. You may even get inspired to visit some places anew, get a tip for improving your existing sporting hobby, or begin a new outdoor activity. If you're just tuning in for the first time, you may be asking yourself, what's this lady's story and why does she have a radio show? You're listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of flagandbanner.com. Over 40 years ago, with only $400, Carrie founded Arkansas Flag and Banner. During the last four decades, the business has grown and changed, starting with door-to-door sales and telemarketing to mail order and catalog sales. And now, a third of their sales come via the internet. This past year, Flag and Banner added another internet feature, live chatting. Over time, Carrie's business and leadership knowledge grew. As early as 2004, she began sharing this knowledge on her weekly blog. And in 2009, she founded a nonprofit Friends of Dreamland Ballroom. And in 2014, Brave Magazine was launched. Today, she's branched out to the radio with this very production, podcast, and live stream on Facebook. Each week on this show, you'll hear candid conversations between her and her guest about real-world experiences on a variety of businesses and topics that we hope you'll find interesting and inspiring. If you'd like to ask Carrie a question, share your story, or underwrite any of our past or present shows, send an email to questions at upyourbusiness.org or message her on flagandbanners.com Facebook page. Back to you, Carrie. My guest today is Trey Reed, Assistant Chief of Communications for the Arkansas Game and Fish Commission, where his primary role is executive producer and host of Arkansas Wildlife TV show. Trey's career has taken him all over our great country. Eleven years ago, he was a field reporter for ESPN2's Bass Center, where he traveled the 50 states reporting on professional bass fishing and conservation. Two of his more interesting episodes were fishing in New Orleans, 
post-Hurricane Katrina, and the other, bass fishing in New York City's Central Park. I can't wait to hear about that. Trey started in the newspaper business as a sports writer and later as sports editor for his hometown newspaper, The Pine Bluff Commercial. And for about four years, he was the outdoor editor of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Today, he continues to work as a freelance writer and has had articles published in local and national magazines, including Bassmaster, Greenhead, AY, Fish Arkansas, Arkansas Wild, Arkansas Money and Politics. Outside of his professional life, Trey hides his identity by donning a Mexican Lucha Libra mask as part of his five-time World Cheese Dip Championship team's costume, the Conchistadors. What a character. It is a pleasure to welcome to the table a man's man, the Assistant Chief of Communications for the Arkansas Game and Fish Commission, Trey Reed. Hey, what's up? Wake up over there. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was, you know, you've got to do social media all the time now. So I, I was noting that, I, you know, I, I think you said I do like 250 radio and TV appearances a year in my, in my role as assistant chief of communications for Game and Fish. But this is my very first time on KABF 88.3, and I'm very excited about it because I am an avid listener of this radio station. So you said it's on your dial all the time. It is my number one preset. Which show do you listen to? Probably the the blue show in the afternoons is, is, is one of my favorites. Let's get, you've just had a great career, but I've got to find out about this bass fishing in the New York City Central Park. Yeah, Tell bass, us the story. Bass fishing came. in Central Park. I, I worked uh, in 2005 and 2006 on a show called Bass Center uh, on ESPN2. Bass Center was, at the time, and still remains, the only show ESPN ever licensed under the a derivative of the Sports Center name. So that's a little. What does small that mean? Claim. Derivative well, of the you know, sports it, center. They name. don't have like uh, you know NASCAR center or uh, football center or you know hoops center. So this they is called had Bass, Bass Center. Center. It's like it was, it essentially our show was a was sports center for fishing, professional bass fishing and conservation issues associated with, with fishing. Okay. And I say all that to lead in the conservation side of things is really what took me to New York. Uh, you ever heard of the snakehead fish? Probably because we've, we had to eradicate them in Arkansas or attempt to eradicate them about eight or nine years ago. Is that the gar? It's snakehead is a, is an Asian fish that was brought here, uh, potentially as a food fish in the 1990s primarily. Uh, and then the federal government said, no, we don't need this foreign fish. We may have, you've heard of the, the silver carp that escaped mainly sewer ponds and, and wastewater treatment facilities in Arkansas oh, in gross. the 70s. And now we've got this foreign invader that's threatening the Great Lakes. And what's well, the name of it again? The Asian carp, the silver carp. But the this fish I'm talking about is the snakehead. And, and... Very popular food fish in, in Asia. And somehow, either people released them or whatever, they showed up uh, in the in a little small pond in Maryland. Uh, this was in, I think, 2002 was the first time uh, they were known to exist in the wild outside of a farming operation. Pretty soon they showed up in the Potomac River. They are an established fish in the Potomac River now. Obviously, you know, from a conservation standpoint, anytime you have an exotic, uh, a, a foreign invader like that, they can compete with your native fish. And that's and not just fish. Uh, we can be talking about vegetation or any type of animal. It's not a good 
good thing to, to introduce uh, animals that aren't native to, to an ecosystem. Um, well, they, one had shown up in uh, New York, out in the Flushing Meadows area, not far from Shea Stadium in the Queensboro. So we went up there to do a story about it. And uh, we actually hired a, 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 a Chinese interpreter and spent like one night in Chinatown trying to get somebody to sell us a live snakehead to show like this is how easy a fish could go from a market to being released into a body of water. Okay, so I'm interviewing a, a biologist from uh, New York's version of Game and Fish. I think they call it New York Department of Environmental protection I'm I'm not it's kind of like our ADEQ and game and fish sort of lumped together in New York but anyway fisheries biologist and I'm and you know I ask a question I said look you know I, I don't I don't mean this in a bad way but look around us we're in Queens we're you know there's Shea Stadium over there there's skyscrapers everywhere why should anybody really be worried about the presence of this exotic fish? I mean, what, what native fishery are we concerned about here? And he said, well, actually, um, the, the, there are a couple of ponds in Central Park, and they have some of the highest densities of largemouth bass of any of the water bodies that we electrofish sample in the entire state of New York. And I said, get out of here. You're kidding me, Right. He said, no, absolutely. I, you know, and so he said, I'll, I'll, I'll email you the, uh, you know, the, the, the data sets we have. And I'm like, well, this is great. So, I, you know, we're there for the snakehead story, but I'm looking over at the producer and the, and the uh, cameraman that, that, that I'm working with, and I'm like, we got it. we've got another story here. I'm going fishing at Central Park. So I remembered a few years earlier reading a story in Field and Stream magazine about there's one sort of like, you know, there's a couple of like Orvis fly fishing tackle shops in Manhattan, but there's one kind of old school sort of bait and tackle shop called Central Fishing Tackle, and it's in the Chelsea neighborhood of Manhattan. So I looked it up. Found, I, I called the guy, talked to the manager, and I said, hey, you know, I'm Trey from ESPN. We're doing this story on snakeheads, but they tell us there's this fishery here. I didn't have fishing tackle or anything with me. Can you, like, get us hooked up with somebody? Do you know anything about this? It's like, yeah, man, I've got a guy that lives around the corner that fishes there all the time. Come on down to the store. We bought some baits. He loaned us some tackle. The next morning, I take the subway from our hotel in Queens to uh, Central Park, and we go out there. It, it, it was just, I mean, I'm talking about it, and I mentioned it in, in the bio that I sent you because it was truly a, I mean, it was a once-in-a-lifetime experience. It, it Do you have was, to get a special permit? No, no, I just have a, I had to buy a non-resident fishing license for, for New York, but, but that's it. You know, I mean, there are people, we went that afternoon before we fished and actually there were people lined up around the lake. And and if, if you have ever seen a movie that has a scene in Central Park, you've seen the lake I'm talking about. It's the one with the gondolas and the, the uh, stone archway bridge. I mean, it's been in countless movies over the years. So uh, we go out there and the, you know, the people are taking the gondola rides and everything, but there's a handful of people around fishing and we did some interviews with them. Uh, there was actually uh, a, a writer for, I think he still works for Forbes, if I'm not mistaken, named Monty Burke. He's originally from Birmingham, Alabama, and he had just at the time written a book called Sow Belly about the several people that were really like, 
obsessive about trying to catch the next world record bass. So we kind of we called Monty and got him down there, and and he did a little interview with us, and he said, "Yeah, I've actually come down here and fished a little bit before," but it, it was amazing in that. At six o'clock in the morning, you know, New York may be the city that never sleeps, but it was still in the park. It was kind of quiet and you weren't hearing sirens. And if you look down at the water and you're thinking about the fish and trying to feel that bait or watch for a strike or, or, you know, depending on the type of lure you're moving, you really kind of forget where you are for a minute. And then you look up. And there's the Dakota where John Lennon lived. And then, you know, there's the building that the, uh, the uh, Ghostbusters uh, uh, skyscraper was, was based off of. And you're like, wow, I'm really in Manhattan. I'm in the middle of New York City. Now, as the day progressed and, you know, the city started to come to life, you, life, you, you got those sirens and cabs and horns honking and all that. But it was... And we caught the heck out of the fish. Uh, you did? <laughs> we did. Were they we, big? Not a lot of big ones. You know, two, two and a half pounds were probably the biggest fish. But I mean, I probably caught 15 or 20 fish that, you know, you know like two or three hours that morning. Why are there not a bunch of people standing around fishing? I think part of it is, you know, you're so close to the saltwater there. There's a lot of fishing in the East River and the Hudson and, and obviously, you know, the, the saltwater in the Atlantic, you know, and off of Long Island. So probably more of a saltwater fishing culture in the city itself and a lot of people retreat from the city and go upstate and, and there's a there are really some nice fisheries in uh, the finger lakes in upstate new york st lawrence river the uh, uh, lake oneida near syracuse these are some of those larger lakes uh you know the the Bassmaster tournament series yeah, they still go there to this day. And uh, we, so, did you fish off a boat or off the side of the bank? Off the bank. Well, they yeah. didn't let you take a boat. No, I don't think they'll let you fish from the from those gondolas that you can rent. Okay, before we get into the, all the Arkansas game and fish stuff, uh, you were born and raised in Pine Bluff, Arkansas. That's right. Yeah. Did you always want to do what you're doing? No, not really. Uh, when I was young, I, I wanted to, uh, I, I kind of flipped back and forth between wanting to be in the performing arts some way, like an actor. Well, you kind of are. Uh, or I wanted to be a football coach. I know those are very uh, disparate sort of career paths to take, but those were two of the things that I thought a lot about when I was younger. I think you kind of found it. And for everybody that doesn't know, you are big. How tall are you? Uh, about six one. Yeah, you seem bigger than that. You seem larger, taller to me than that. But um, my boots, you know, it's your boots. Uh, it's my two inch heels. So uh, <laughs> there's the theater part in him. Uh, so yeah, I think you've you've I think you found the balance. I I I really enjoy what I'm doing and and uh, but you're a writer a, too. I I am yes absolutely and that's honestly always I found writing in high school and and really sort of. I guess I, you know, blossomed as a writer in college. I had a professor at UALR named Huey Crisp, who I took multiple classes from. And it just really, I, that's, I knew that I, I, once I got into those classes and I, I got some positive feedback of like, I want to be a writer. And I still, despite being on TV all the time, I would call myself a writer first and foremost. And the, the TV, the public relations stuff is sort of second, in my mind at least. I think that's really interesting that I don't think people really realize about you. This is a great place to take a break. 
When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Trey Reed from the Arkansas Game and Fish Commission. We'll get him to choose what his favorite outdoor recreation is and where his favorite places are. We'll also talk about conservation, cultivation, water shortages, quail hunting, which my father used to do a lot of, and the business of Arkansas Game and Fish. Listen to all UIYB past and present interviews by going to flagandbanner.com and clicking on Radio Show. There you may join our email list or like us on Facebook, thus getting a reminder notification of the day of the show and a sneak peek of that day's guest. And if you'd like to be an underwriter of any UIYB shows, send an email to marketing at flagandbanner.com. That's marketing at flagandbanner.com. Back to you, Carrie. Now take down your fishing pole and meet me at the vision hole. We may not get a bite all day, but don't you rush away. What a great place to rest your bones and mighty fine for skipping stones. You feel fresh as a lemonade setting in the shade. Whether it's hot, whether it's cool. Wow, that's Andy Griffith for everybody that doesn't know. And if you're under, I don't know, do you even does anybody under 30 even know who Andy Griffith is? That's Opie's dad. And does anybody even know who Opie is? That's uh, Ron Howard. Ron Howard. I know. He was such a cute little boy. One of the best directors of our generation. He was a cute little actor, too. All right. You're listening to Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy. I'm speaking today with Trey Reed from the Arkansas Game and Fish Commission and host of the Arkansas Wildlife TV show. All right. I'm... Flipping channels this right. week, watching Channel 4, and your show comes on, and you're fishing for smallmouth bass on the Cato River, river with stank bait. <laughs> is that the real name of the bait, or do you just not know how to pr- pronounce stink? It is a bait with a, uh, I think, with, they call their, you know, all the, not all, but many of the lure companies now, with when you're fishing with artificial soft plastic baits, they put some sort of you know, formula in there, some scent to sort of entice the fish to, to bite it. And honestly, the name of the scent on this particular bait was stank. Obviously, clearly a marketing ploy. Uh, I mean, it's gotten you wondering, I mean, about it. So it, it's uh, effective, I would say. Now, there's a uh, there's a lot to say about that, but I'm going to keep from saying it. You, you, well, it's just, you know, the, the, the FCC could, could get upset if we went too far down uh, that's the right, hole. That's right. That's right. You know, it's a good thing that, uh, I mean, there's no woman that would ever say, let's market something and call it stank and think that it's ever going to sell. I would say that will never sell in a million years. There Anybody that doesn't think men and women are different or wrong, I'm not, th- not that I'm trying to say that we w- don't want to be treated equally, but we are definitely different. There is no way I'd ever buy anything that had the word stank on it. You know, it's funny because uh, th- there's an old saying that, you know, but you're not trying to hook fish when you develop a new bait. You're mm-hmm. trying to hook fishermen. And you, oh. you, you, I used to have a blast. Some of the freelance writing I've done was for uh, Bassmaster magazine, mm-hmm. and I, I had a kind of a recurring little part of the section that I wrote for them where I had fun with the names of some of the bait colors. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, margarita is a favorite color. Tequila sunrise, mm-hmm. uh, Mardi Gras. I mean, well, yeah, uh, I know for, exactly what colors those are. The, well, Mardi Gras, yeah. Uh, how about California four twenty? 
Uh, was pink. A, <laughs> pink. Uh, no, it's a green color. Oh, it's green. Some, oh, yeah. Darn, I should have known that. Yeah, I wish I'd have seen the hand some signals. red or gold in there. Stop I don't know. now. All right. Uh, so I have actually fished on the Cato River before, but we didn't fish with stank bait. We fished with a rebel cray. I can't believe you catch, we said hey, no reason. a rebel crawfish proudly made in Fort Smith, Arkansas. Oh, really? Well, we had a saying that day, uh, catch fish all day with Rebel Cray, and it worked. We did it. We caught fish on the Cato all day long. So talk to me about fish in Arkansas, spawning, where and when, can you, and bait, and I mean, I never know what You know, Carrie, the thing about it is there are so many ways to fish in Arkansas, so many different types of fish, and and, and really what that boils down to is the diversity of, of our aquatic habitats, you know, because we're a diverse state. Uh, we've basically got everything but salt water, you know. Uh, the thing is, you've got, you know, let's start in the Delta, since I'm kind of a child of the Delta, being from Pine Bluff, and you've got the slow, sluggish bios, the uh, the Arkansas River, the Mississippi River, they're, they're flat, they're widening out, they're reaching, you know, their the, termin- terminus. And those are catfish? Uh, uh, yeah, lots of catfish, largemouth bass, things like that. You know, we've, we've got, the species are pretty consistent across the state with some exceptions but the types of water and like where the better fishing for certain species may be and then let's move north and west into the Washita's and Ozarks and we've got clear cooler mountain streams like trout yeah we've got the trout now trout are not a native species they were they were when we built dams you know in the uh, in the mid 20th century for hydropower and for uh, flood control in the Ozarks and Washita's the cold water that that came out from the bottom of the dams after hydropower generation killed our native smallmouth bass in those streams like the White River, the North Fork uh, in particular, below Beaver Dam uh, in northwest Arkansas. So trout were introduced as mitigation for the loss of those warm water species. But we still have places like the Buffalo, the Kings River, uh, the Washita River, where we've got those native smallmouth. Uh, we've got walleye. Uh, uh, a lot of people think of walleye as a northern fish, you know, we Minnesota. Absolutely. For a long time, uh, the world record walleye, at least under one one group's definition of world record. You know, it's kind of like boxing. You've got the WBC, the WBA, the IBF. You have different groups that kind of recognize world records in fishing. Uh, but one world record walleye came from Greer's Ferry Lake. So we, we, I mean. What's the best fish you like to catch on Greer's Ferry? Me, you know, I'm not a huge fan of Greer's Ferry, although you can catch a lot. I like to fish for smallmouth bass in Ozark streams primarily, but also Washita streams. And I'll tell you why. First of all, I think pound for pound, you won't find a, 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 a meaner, a stronger, a feistier fish than a smallmouth bass. Now, in our Ozark and Washita streams, they don't get huge. I mean, the north, the Great Lakes and places like that. I was talking about the Finger Lakes in New York. They're known for producing big smallmouth bass. I think our state record is a little over seven pounds, so that's not a huge smallmouth. But, you know, a three to four pound fish in one of our Ozark streams is a giant. You saw the episode, yeah. and I caught that fish is probably close to four pounds. That's the largest smallmouth. That small little mouth. fish uh, was close to four pounds? Well, 
wait, oh, wait a sorry. minute. Wait a minute. That little fish. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. Carrie. I mean, it wasn't now, that big. It wasn't. It wasn't a giant. I mean, you know, we our state record largemouth is like sixteen pounds. So, but, but for a smallmouth, it was a big fish. It was. It was a four pound smallmouth is a giant, especially mm. from these small streams we're talking about. Mm-hmm. But I like doing that for a couple of reasons. You can, uh, you can get some exercise fishing out of a kayak or a canoe. Right. Small a, a, a fishing guide friend of mine once said, "Smallmouth don't live in ugly places," and that's <gasps> another reason I like fishing for smallmouth. That's small a mouth. tweetable moment. Uh, there, I mean, it's just you know, just think about you know being on the Buffalo River. I mean, I it is truly Arkansas's gift to the world. I mean, it, it is a national treasure that we're lucky to live an hour and a half from here in Central Arkansas. And you know, you look up at those bluffs and you know and the, the the majesty of your surroundings, and you look down and you've got smallmouth bass there. And that's one of the reasons I really enjoy smallmouth. And they're great fighters, and they're just so much fun to catch. And I let every one of them go. That was my second question. Do you cook them? Not a smallmouth. I would never keep a smallmouth. And, and why? Because they're too hard to clean? Uh, no, because they're, yeah, I meant you were talking about how how they're not huge. Yeah. They're not giant fish. Their growth rates in our, our mountain streams in Arkansas are just incredibly slow. That fish mm. you saw, that four-pound fish yeah. that I caught on the Caddo River was probably a 12 to 15 year old fish it took wow. it that long to get that big i didn't know fish live that long well, oh no yeah wonder you throw them back bless their little hearts alligator gar uh, a truly prehistoric fish that we have in arkansas not a big sport fishery for it but but a, a very interesting and in, an incredible fish. i mean it truly has been around since the age of the dinosaurs and they they live to be some estimates 60 70 80 years old and you catch those in the Arkansas River, right? You can catch those in the the Arkansas, the White, the Mississippi drainages, those big uh, rivers, Washita River down and around Felsenthal National Wildlife Refuge. But they're they've seen better days. They've been vilified for years, and by, you know, they eat sport fish. They're they're no good anglers accidentally catch one on a, a trot line or a yo-yo and they throw it up on the bank it's a bad fish a lot of that is probably uh, overblown i mean they're part of the ecosystem they're here for a reason and we're really trying to work with anglers now at game and fish and do a lot of research on on our side of things to uh, bring the alligator gar back to prominence in arkansas so there's a fish that spawns um certain time of the year because my husband always goes up and it's on the little red river uh, no the, uh, no okay it's down towards hot springs Okay. And it's got a uh, big, uh, big stripe. You have to cut oh, out the, of the 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 hybrid striped the bass. The hybrid striped bass. Yes, or striped bass. So, so both of those fish are neither one of those fish is native to Arkansas. The striper is actually a, a saltwater fish. And back in the, I believe it was in the late forties or fifties, they were building Santee Cooper Reservoir, a lake in South Carolina. They dammed up the lake. Well, the the Santee and Cooper rivers go to the Atlantic Ocean. Well, they trapped striped bass that because striped bass run up into freshwater estuaries to spawn and then go back out to sea. Well, they trapped the fish in there and they're after several years people are still catching them. We're like, well, striped bass or stripers can live in fresh water. So in a lot of these large upland reservoirs like Washita and uh, uh, Norfolk and North Arkansas uh, and other places across the, the south and across the country, 
we have stocked stripers as just another fishing opportunity. And, and so, but they still make their false spawning runs. They sure do. And then the hybrid striped bass is a cross between our native white bass and then these introduced stripers. So the hybrid striped bass is essentially a creature of the laboratory. We, we grow those at our fish culture facilities that we have at Game and Fish. It's a GMO fish. But they make these false spawning runs and they are really a lot of fun. It's like saltwater fishing here in landlocked Arkansas. It, they just jump out of the water. They can pull like a runaway Buick. And they can just jump all around you and you think they're, and then never get on your hook. Drives me that, crazy. Yeah, that's that's uh you know uh, that's a fisherman. I'm trying nightmare. to remember this quote. Uh, fishing is the pursuit of uh, what is elusive but attainable. The Scottish statesman John Buchan. So quail in Arkansas, Bob White. My grew up eating quail that my father oh, caught, man. and I saw it on your show where they're trying to bring it back. Big big focus of the Game and Fish Commission right now, and and you're right. I mean. People, you know, and, and I'm, you know, I'm 47 and I'm kind of right at that cutoff point. Like I remember my dad talking about quail hunting and having bird dogs. We never did it together because quail populations by the seventies and early eighties, when I was coming of age and going hunting with him, uh, were, were really starting to disappear. So if you're, you know, let's say 50, sort of the cutoff point, if you're older than 50, you have fond memories of quail hunting in Arkansas. If you're younger, probably not so much because and it, the, the decline of the bobwhite quail in Arkansas has largely been a function of loss of habitat. And that's really anytime we're talking fish or wildlife, it's all about habitat or habitat is the biggest piece of the pie when we're talking about populations. And, but it's especially true for the bobwhite. You think about, uh, we had a lot of small farms, even like small dairy farms up like north of Conway and sort of the foothills of the Ozarks. And, and, and people did not farm clean. They're, they're, they fed their cattle native grasses and things like that. And their fence rows were had brush and stuff growing up around them. And that's great quail habitat. Well, now drive by a farm up there. First of all, they're very... Uh, they've they've replaced the native grass with fescue, which it's is so well for, groomed. For, I can't stand it. Yeah, but that well quail habitat. I was talking about smallmouth live in beautiful places. Quail habitat is not very attractive. It's not there's not an aesthetic with quail habitat. It's overgrown and shrubby and bushy and scraggly trees that aren't very big yet and. But it's great habitat for quail. And, uh, and so we're, you know, we're trying to, you know, we can't, you know, tell people what to do on their land. But what we're doing is for people who want to bring back quail, we can say, here's some things you can do. You mm -hmm. know, let the brush grow on your fence line a little bit. Uh, introduced uh, fire to the landscape. You know, fire suppression was the rule of the 20th century where we... We, you know, Smokey the Bear did too good a job. Only you can prevent forest fires. And yes, catastrophic wildfires are terrible. We've seen it in California, uh, you know, over the past few months. But some fire on the landscape is a good thing. It's always been there. Lightning strikes have caused fires. Uh, Native Americans used fire extensively to, to help manage habitat. They knew what was going on. What you do when you, when you introduce fire to the landscape you kind of set it back. You get rid of some of the things you don't want, and it clears that leaf litter off the ground. And so those those native grasses and forbs in the seed bed 
ah, I can, I can breathe again. And they, they spring to life. And, and those are the kind of things that, that, that are great for, for quail. And ash is a great fertilizer. Absolutely. So there's, there, there's a lot of things we're doing, you know, pr- the difference with quail is going to happen on private land. Because, right. You know, we, we, Public land represents maybe 10% of the land mass of Arkansas. So if we're going to make a difference, we got to get landowners to buy into the program and, and do some things to, well, to encourage quail You're going to have to get money in there for them to buy into it in their land. But that's the beauty, Carrie. There what? is money. There is there is federal grant money available. We've got money available at Game and Fish. We'll, let you, we'll loan you a seed drill to, to plant native grasses. There are things out there. I, I don't, I'm not here to pitch Game and Fish. You I know we're, we're talking about, you know— well, I mean, I know th- that's what I do every day. Yeah. But uh, so there is some grant money. Go to agfc.com, our mm-hmm. website. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a quail page there, and there's a lot of uh, check out our private lands program. We have 10 biologists around the state, wildlife biologists that are essentially consultants that will come out. You could pay big bucks for it's absolutely free. They'll come out and tell you. Here, if you want more white-tailed deer, here's what you should do. You want oh, a whale, here's what you can do. You want to see birds? You want to you know, watch wildlife? Here's what you should do. Let's take a quick break, and then we'll come right back, and we're going to talk about deer hunting, duck hunting, water shortages, and the business of Arkansas Game and Fish. And everybody get their pen and paper ready, because when we come right back after two minutes... Flag and Banner is proud to underwrite Up in Your Business with Carrie McCoy. This weekly radio show and podcast offers listeners firsthand insight in starting and running a business, the ups and downs of risk-taking, and the commonalities of successful people shared in a conversational interview with Carrie. Along with this radio show, flagandbanner.com publishes a free biannual magazine called Brave. First published in October 2014, this magazine celebrates and inspires readers through its human interest in storytelling. The Department of Arkansas Heritage recognized Brave Magazine's documentation of American life and microfishes all editions for the Arkansas State Archives. Free subscription and advertising opportunities for the upcoming Spring 2019 edition are available at flagandbanner.com by selecting Magazine, where you can read previous stories and learn about advertising opportunities. Back to you, Carrie. You're listening to Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy. I'm speaking today with Trey Reed from the Arkansas Game and Fish Commission and host of the Arkansas Wildlife TV show. All right, we got a lot to talk about and 20 minutes to do it. Deer hunting. That's my husband's favorite thing to do. He went out in 25 degree weather and sat in a stand with my youngest son and got up at four o'clock in the morning to do it. That just seems to me like somebody without good sense. Well, now you'd have a hard time telling that to our, you know, 300,000 plus deer hunters in Arkansas. Is that how many there are? That's that's an estimate. You know, we sell roughly 250,000 hunting licenses a year. How many? 250,000. What do you do with the profits from that? Does it go into the general fund, or is it no specifically no, it to something? No, it goes specifically to game and fish. Now, it does go into our general, general fund. Our okay. general fund. But it, uh, hunting license and fishing license sales represent about a third of our revenue. Mm. Uh, the uh, This is not precise, but roughly a third is from hunting and fishing license sales. That's a lot. One third is from... 
federal money through the Dingle Johnson and uh, Pittman Robertson funds, which are the Sport Fish and Wildlife Restoration Acts. Uh, and so anytime somebody buys a fishing pole, a trolling motor, uh, a gas-powered motor, a boat, uh, a shotgun shell, a rifle bullet, a rifle itself, a bow and arrow, there are excise taxes on that at the federal level that are passed back to the states on a proportional basis based on their fishing license. So we've got that. a third of our revenue from from uh, license sales, a third from those federal uh, programs. And then the other third, we're very fortunate in Arkansas, thanks to Amendment 75, which passed in uh, 1996 and went into effect in 1997. That's the one-eighth cent conservation sales tax. Uh, state parks, you know, everybody, you, every time you buy something in Arkansas, one-eighth of a cent tax is collected for conservation. Now, Game and Fish gets 45% of that. State Parks gets 45%. Uh, Natural Heritage gets 9%. And Keep Arkansas Beautiful gets 1% of that. So we get a little less than half of, of that sales. To, so that amounts to another, you know, 20, $25 million a year that, that we are, that we, Arkansas and Missouri are the only two states in the country that have a dedicated conservation sales tax. And I mean, I have to say that being a native Arkansan and now working for Game and Fish, it's a source of pride. I'm glad that, that the people of our state uh, saw that it was important enough to, to pass a tax. How, how when do, mm-hmm. You know, when, right. when do people want to pass a tax? But that that conservation and preserving our natural resources and our wild places was important enough to them that they said, you can tax me for that. Wow, I love that. So uh, deer hunting, chronic waste and disease. I think I listened to something online where you talked about deregulation in 2016, uh, baiting and feeding. Um what would happen if deers weren't hunted? Yeah. Where do you find out the current rules for deer hunting? There's a lot you can talk about. Yeah, chronic about. wasting disease is the big headline of deer hunting in Arkansas for the past year. We we found out in February of last year, just about uh, 11 months ago, that an elk that was uh, taken by a hunter, we have a very limited uh, permit-only elk hunt around the Buffalo River, um, tested positive for chronic wasting disease. What is that? Uh, well, boy, we could really spend a lot. I'll try to make it brief and simple, but chronic wasting disease was first detected in a captive mule deer in 1967 in Fort Collins, Colorado, a pen that was, uh, Colorado state university and a a federal research uh, group was, uh, were, were studying mule deer and they kept dying mysteriously and they would get emaciated and they drooled and they salivated and urinated excessively and they couldn't satiate their thirst. And so they started studying it and found out that it was, it's called a prion disease. A prion is a misshapen protein, uh, that natural, a protein that naturally occurs and something happens to make that protein, uh, kind of, uh, it's, it's abnormal. It's formed funny. Now that, abnormality causes those proteins to kind of conglomerate and it essentially the technical term it's a transmissible spongiform encephalopathy or a tse but there be are, a scientist to work there, for you. there are it, it okay you've heard of mad cow disease i was just gonna say does that it sound is, like mad cow disease is, mad cow is also a tse scrapey in sheep is a tse and creutzfeldt jakob disease in humans so we've got it in arkansas We've got it in Arkansas. But is it in the whitetail or is it just it in is, that elk? It's in the whitetail as well. We, we went and sampled 
sampled uh, white-tailed deer in that area and elk as well and found that it was pretty prevalent, 23% prevalence So how do you rate. know if, what if you kill a deer? Because we eat the deer meat that yeah, Brady so kills. The, so the was, are we going to go crazy? We have tested deer in all 75 counties, and I mean thousands and thousands and thousands of deer, and we have only so far found it. We just added, we found it in three additional counties this hunting season. Those okay. new counties are Washington, Sebastian and Benton counties. The uh, original seven counties where we found it last year when we first, you know, detected that the disease was present. Well, I'm, I'm on the spot here. Okay, Newton County was was sort of the epicenter of, of, of this CWD detection. Where's Newton County? Jasper. Uh, oh, oh, gosh, okay. really? Okay. Yeah, Newton County, um, Searcy County, Boone County, Harrison, Carroll County, North Central Arkansas say, primarily, there, yeah. and now Northwest Associates. Where the big deer are. Uh, Isn't that where the big deer are? Some, probably the biggest deer in Arkansas are, are over in East Arkansas, the Stuttgart. Delta. Yeah, Arkansas County, Deshaies County, up and down the Mississippi River. Uh, deer and, and fish, really all wildlife for that matter, are a product of the uh, the ground they walk around on. So the most fertile land in the state is in the Delta, and therefore the, the kind of bigger deer are, are there as well. But, uh, you know, I, without me, I, I could probably name the counties if I kept going, but you can go but to AGFC. Like okay, there, go there are 13 counties total where we, we and detected And you can go where it. to find them? AGFC.com slash CWD. And that's not, I mean, we've got maps there, but also loads of information about what does this mean to you if you want to eat your deer? What does it mean? If an animal tests positive, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention says you should not eat that animal. Now, what if I do accidentally and don't know it? There have been no known cases of people eating he a CWD in his positive. Seat. I just want no, to know. no, no, no. Hey, I've been I've talked about this a lot. There are no known cases of of humans eating a CWD positive deer and and contracting the disease. We don't know that. that to our knowledge, and I say our, I'm talking about the scientific community, not just game and fish, CWD cannot infect humans. It is a disease of cervids, uh, white-tailed deer, mule deer, elk, moose, caribou, reindeer. Can you tell if it's if a deer is infected with it? You can in the latter stages of the but disease, not in the early but not part. in the early stages. Here's what we've been doing. Are they going to make a kit so we can test them all? No, uh, <laughs> but here, you can, we have participating taxidermists around the state. Okay. Uh, we man check stations during the opening weekend of gun deer season in that area where we know the disease is present. Uh, we'll test the animals for you that weekend. You can take them to taxidermists. There's a few veterinarians around but you the get, state. You take it and get it ground up. And they throw your meat in with everybody else's meat when they're starting. They go like, tonight we're well, going to do deer they, meat. They they shouldn't do that. But they, they do. Well, here's here's another thing. And this is really, you know, I'm just speaking as, as a deer hunter myself. But Game and Fish does not regulate the processors. The, the processing industry in Arkansas really is not regulated by anybody. <gasps> I'm going to get I my own grinder. Uh, I have one, but Carrie, oh. <laughs> I, I would be very surprised that if in the next legislative session you do not see that issue taken up by the General Assembly and try to introduce some sort of regulatory authority over these processors. Now, let's face it, a lot of them are mom and pop yep. operations, and you know, there's people just trying to make an extra buck. And I mean, you know, I don't, I'm not advocating for 
onerous government overreach or anything right. like that. But, you know, at the same time, food safety is a pretty important thing to, to, to worry about. And, uh, you know, and that's the thing, you know, Game and Fish is not a, a public health organization. So we defer to the Arkansas Department of Health and the Centers for Disease Control. And, you know, they say if you hunt in an area where you know the disease is, you should probably have it tested. And if it tests positive, don't eat it. Uh, now, the thing is, sometimes the animals are obviously sick. We just say, don't shoot that animal. But we have said Actually, that for shoot years. it and get rid of it. Wouldn't you want to? Well... Is that not good either? Yeah. Because then other animals eat it? It's going to die anyway of the disease. CWD is an always 100% fatal disease. So what's your your favorite thing outside activity to do? We're going to do the seasons in the winter. Uh, Duck hunting. Of course. I love to duck hunt. Hey, we live in the duck capital of the world. That was the thing my what father introduced me to first, and therefore it's been one. It's it's very active. You can talk. You don't have to be still and quiet on the deer stand. And so I like that. It's a very social type of hunting and lots of action. What about the water shortages they're talking about? Yeah, that's something we really need to pay attention to. Believe you know, the alluvial warming? and uh, absolutely. No, I don't think it's something you believe in. I right. think you look at the science and it's it's happening. So is it going to affect Stuttgart in our Delta area? I think it already is. I mean, the uh, we've known since the 1920s that we were using water. Uh, I'm using the editorial collective citizenry we here. But we've known that we were withdrawing water from those aquifers uh, at a rate greater than they could replenish themselves. And so for people that don't know what we're talking about, it's the farmers versus the duck hunters down no, there. No, no, no. Don't I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to couch it in those terms. Because okay. farmer duck hunters are, are, are farmers, and farmers are duck hunters, and, and, and a lot of duck hunting takes place on farms. I, I don't think... The, I think what it is is responsible water use, and we've got to figure out new ways to do things. And I think farmers are doing that. It's, uh, um, you know, we've there's several irrigation projects on the board right now: the Biomeda Irrigation District, the Grand Prairie Irrigation Project, that are going to try to divert surface water from the Arkansas River, the White River, and there may be another set of issues that we're not thinking about there. I'm not advocating for or against, but using surface water is one way to prevent using that groundwater from those aquifers. So, for people that don't know what the pros and cons are. Well, so really what you've got going on, Arkansas is the largest rice producer in the country. We produce 50% of the nation's rice. And, and the farmers want to flood their fields. You have to. That's how you grow rice. You grow it in water. And rice is one of the most water-intensive agricultural crops in the country. So we have to have that water. I mean, obviously, that's a huge part of our economy as well. when they drain down the water in the river, in the in, river in, then in the, the duck aqua- hunting goes. Well, it's not so much that. It's, it, it's not really an issue. It's not really a duck hunting farm thing the, the issue I think is long-term sustainability I mean we're talking a lot of communities depend on this water for municipal drinking water uh, you know if we want to be able to continue to grow rice and, and and have sustainable agriculture which is the number one industry in the state of Arkansas we've got to use and be, be careful how we use that water let's get this caller Hello, we've got a caller you're listening you're talking to Trey Reed do you have a question for Trey from the Arkansas game and fish I do uh, on the CWD topic, uh, there's I bought some hunting property up in Madison County, which is one of the counties in the CWD zone. Yes. And um, this last year, I was looking for locations to have it deer tested. And outside of opening weekend, there seemed to be a very minimal number of participating taxidermists um, in in that area. Uh, 
is there a closure? Is there going to be a closure, some sort of incentive to get more tax thermos or processors on board to do that testing? Because realistically, it, it's it, it would take hours to get that done at this point from where I hunt. I mean, it's a great point. And, you know, one of the things that we're up against there is, you know, as you're talking about the travel time, it's a very rural part of the state. It's not easy to get around on those two lane highways in the Ozarks. They, you know, they, they, they twist and turn up and down, but, uh, to answer your initial question, yes, we are constantly, uh, seeking taxidermists, processors and, and others, uh, potentially veterinarians, uh, to, to try to help us do that. Because, you know, here's the bottom line. We know that hunters want to have those animals tested. I mean, like I said, we encourage you to have it tested since you hunt in an area where we know the disease is potentially present. So on the other side of that, it helps us have a larger data set and to understand the disease better where it could be spreading. So we, we have a vested interest in collecting more samples. So we are definitely trying to get more people on board to pull those samples. That's a great point. Thank you caller for your question. Oh, wait, one more. Yeah. Is there any way uh, in the future that there would be some sort of system where a hunter could take his own sample and send it in somewhere to have it tested? You know, the the problem with that is, is the accuracy of and the viability of the sample. You know, I'm in you, you may be able to quickly and easily, uh, <clears throat> you know, cut the neck of a deer and pull the lymph node out. But, you know, another guy might not be, you know, so that's, you know, that's that's the problem you have with that. Um, yeah, I'm not saying it's outside the realm of possibility, but, you know, there's, you know, being scientific about it and wanting to have a good sample, uh, there's a little bit of an issue with just like, hey, yeah, pull the sample for us. And, you know, you might get a viable lymph node and, and, and you might not. That's a logistic problem. All right. Thank you, caller. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, all right, spring. Where's your favorite place to go in the spring? Oh, I love to be, I uh, like to turkey hunt in the Ozarks and I like to smallmouth bass fish. Probably on the Kings River would be one of my favorite places near Eureka Springs and Berryville. Love the Kings River. I, probably one of my favorite places in Arkansas. Mm-hmm. I've heard that before. Uh, summer. Uh, summertime, I'm looking for some air conditioning. No, I'm kidding. Uh, you know, or, 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 uh, but I, honestly, my, my outdoor recreational pursuits go way down in the summertime. I do it either really early in the morning or late in the evening. Uh, but again, you know, I like those smallmouth streams because, you know, if you get hot, just go for a, go for so a swim. So you're not a water sports person. I'm not really. I don't like crowds and, you know, lakes like Hamilton and even Washita in the summertime get pretty busy with the recreational boat traffic, and that's just not my thing. But as the much. game and fish oversees that? We do. We, uh, we administer boating laws that have been enacted by the legislature. That's uh, one, one of our areas that, that, uh, that we do. And okay, the last season, fall. Fall. I'm gonna. That's another time when I like to go fishing. I like to. Uh, I think find, you just like to fish. I do love to fish. Uh, I like to to find schooling largemouth or, or or stripers or hybrid stripers in October is a good time. They're feeding up, getting fat for winter, and also starting to to think about uh, duck season a little bit. In the, in the <laughs> you fall. didn't say anything about dove. Or deer. I do. No, dove. I mean, see, that's kind of late summer. I mean. Uh, that's uh, my favorite one. It's no, warm. It is. It's and you get warm, to just stand and it's around. It's social. Uh, 
I am. I, I have done a lot of deer hunting over the years. I don't really deer hunt very much anymore. I, uh, I'm duck hunting and fishing are my two big things. Well, cleaning that deer make you not want to have to deer hunt. I love to eat venison, though. I've got a lot of the good. New, the good thing is I got a lot of friends who still deer hunt a lot, and so uh, I've got a lot of venison in the freezer because uh, we didn't even get to the. I'm, I'm a huge foodie. I love I was to say eat. You cook. I cook a lot. You part of your show is cooking. Yeah, we've been trying to incorporate a lot more of that. But yes, I love to cook. I got a sous vide. Uh, I a saw device. you talking about that. Uh, Tell everybody what that is. It's uh, basically a water circulator and heater. Uh, it's a French cooking technique uh, that's was been really big in restaurants for the last twenty plus years. But you can get a home version now for anywhere from a hundred to two hundred bucks. And you basically you heat the water to sous vide is French for under vacuum. You seal the meat or vegetable or whatever it is. Uh, in in a plastic bag uh, i use a, a vacuum sealer but you can use ziploc bags uh, as well just get as much of the air out as possible then you immerse that that whatever material you're going to cook i usually do meat but it is a very precise cooking method where you get it if you want it to you want a medium rare steak you set it at 135 degrees and from edge to edge there's no Variance, it is going to be perfectly but you medium know what I don't rare like about side that? to side. You're cooking in plastic. I don't like but that. it's but it's BPA free plastic. Oh, there you go. Uh, the game of fish. Is that okay. Com- yeah, that one's okay. In two thousand, okay, we're almost out of time. In two thousand eleven, Mike Beebe appointed Steve Cook at, from Malvern as the commissions as the Arkansas Game and Fish Commissioners commission's chairman mm-hmm. and i guess he still is till 2018 yeah this is steve's last year his term so uh, the way amendment 35 which established the present form of the game and fish commission in 1944 it is constitutionally dictated as an amendment to the arkansas constitution how the game and fish works we have some autonomy from the state legislature and uh but the governor appoints a commissioner every year and they serve seven year terms can't do it again can't you do it cannot twice do it twice do you want to uh, be it well, I couldn't be as an employee. Now, if I left, I, I could be, you know, maybe one day down the road, if we ever, you know, get rich selling this Conchistador's cheese dip, and then maybe <laughs> I can retire from Game and Fish and, uh, and and be a commissioner and make the rules. It's a tough job, though. But what's it's the advice or idea job. that you want to convey to our listeners about the natural state? Oh, uh, just, uh, you know, I, th- I think, you know, when I traveled with ESPN all over the country, it amazed me how little people knew about Arkansas, and I was kind of okay with that because I like it being a well-kept secret. Uh, but don't take for granted what we have here. We are very fortunate. I mentioned the conservation sales tax. We're one of only two states that, that funds conservation work in the state. You know, but you know everybody pays for it. Uh, we have some incredibly special places, a diversity of habitats from the coastal plain and the delta to the Washita's and Ozarks. Uh, we got remember, two mountain ranges in Arkansas. Remember that we have that and go out and take advantage of it. I I, I just wrote an intro to uh, the Fish Arkansas magazine that the Arkansas Times puts out as their guest editor. And I said, uh, fishing, but hunting as well, and the great outdoors in general, uh, in these two often uh, troubling and disturbing times that we live in, uh, they are uh, a, a salve for the soul. And uh, so get out there and enjoy what we've got here in a Arkansas. salve for the soul. That is a tweetable moment. Thank you, Trey. You've got to come back. And Thanks. for coming on the show, I have you a present. It's a suede 
decorative flag with a duck in the oh, in, that is in, too a camo cool. duck flag. A camo duck flag, Carrie. You've done your research. You know me well. Thank you <laughs> so right. much. You're welcome. <laughs> I just want to say to all of our listeners, thank you for spending time with me and with Trey. If you think this program's been for you, it has been. You're right, but it's also been for me. Thank you for letting me fulfill my destiny. My hope today is that you've heard or learned something that's been inspiring, enlightening, and that it, whatever it is, will help you up your business, your independence, or your life. I'm Carrie McCoy, and I'll see you next time on Up In Your Business. Until then, be brave and keep it up. You've been listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of FlagandBanner.com. If you miss any part of the show or want to learn more about UIYB, go to FlagandBanner.com and click on Radio Show. Like us on Facebook or subscribe to her weekly podcast wherever you like to listen. All interviews are recorded and posted the following week with links to resources you heard discussed on today's show. Underwriting opportunities available upon request. Carrie's goal is to help you live the American dream. Arkansas Flag and Banner is proud to underwrite Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. McCoy began this broadcast a year and a half ago with the intention of offering a mentoring platform for those with an entrepreneurial spirit. Through candid conversation and interesting interviews with business and community-minded Arkansans, listeners gain insight into starting and running a business, the ups and downs of risk-taking, and the commonalities of successful people. Carrie McCoy, founder and president of Arkansas Flag and Banner, believes in paying knowledge and experience forward and developed this radio show as a means of doing so. The biographies, life experiences, and wisdom of her guests would likely go unheard if not for this venue. Rarely do people open up for an hour to an audience about their life, mistakes, triumphs, and pitfalls. This unique radio show allows the listener intimate access into the stories of prominent leaders in our state. I am Adrian McNally, manager of the Arkansas Flag and Banner Showroom and Gift Shop, located on the first floor of the historic Taborian Hall on the corner of 9th and State Streets in downtown Little Rock, Arkansas. In business for 43 years, we offer an old school shopping experience with front door parking, clerks to help you, and department store variety. Open to the public Monday through Friday, 8 to 5.30, and Saturday, 10 to 4. Want to create excitement for your business or event? Do it with affordable advertising from Arkansas's flagandbanner.com. We have teardrop banners, retractable banners, and table drapes. We have street pole banners, museum and exhibit banners. We have custom flags, event tents, tailgating poles, auto graphics, and window scrims. And don't forget, welcome home and sale banners. Consult the experts at arkansasflagandbanner.com. Go online for a free quote or drop by our historic showroom at 800 West 9th Street in Little Rock. Boost morale and patriotism with a new flag or flagpole from ArkansasFlagandBanner.com. We have poles, hardware, accessories, maintenance support, installation, and custom flags. We have flags of all kinds for the sports enthusiast, the world traveler, or history buff. We have them all. Bring in your old flag and get $5 off a new one. Consult the experts at ArkansasFlagandBanner.com. Come shop our historic location at 800 West 9th Street in Little Rock or visit us online at FlagandBanner.com.
Arise Studio is a full audio and video production studio located in the heart of Conway, Arkansas. Whether it be a band, solo artist, sound effects, or voiceovers, or maybe you're looking to get video production done, from slideshows to full live performances, Arise Studios is the place to go. Check us out at www.arisestudios.com. Jason Mallett from Rise Studios, and you're listening to 88.3 FM KABF Little Rock, the voice of the people. <laughs> 